uh, soundboards are cool. And we'll have more to talk about next time. Holy cow. Going back and listening to that stream of consciousness will be a ride a bit. Editing <laughs> <laughs> these has a certain... I, I ended up telling myself to shut up a lot. I'm like, oh god, Alex, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't listen to them, because I will hate everything. <laughs> everything I say, or don't say. Pretty pumped for Untitled Goose Game getting a two goose mode on September twenty third. <laughs> you know that might have be the boiling point where I have to buy it so I can play it with you. <gasps> I, now I do think that as it is, there's you have to both be in the same location. I don't think there's like a uh, yeah. I don't think that you can do it over a network. That's uh, sad. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even know exactly how. Like, I don't know if it's like you literally have to share the keyboard or what. But yeah, Burr's excited to play it though, so that works for me. <laughs> you just come down to the park that I go walking at. We'll just play it in real life. Oh right, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> you want, why don't you tell the listener that story? I mean, there's not much more to it. I was there's I go to the park and there was just just one random goose just chilling at the side of the the walk. And uh, I walk, I kind of like cautiously eye him, you know, as I'm getting closer and he's eyeing me and like, I kind of, I skirt off to the opposite, like I go through the grass and he starts just coming after me and I'm just like, well, what do I do? I just kind of run away from this stupid goose (laughs) (laughs) and it, it chases me for quite a little bit down the, down the path. You know, it's the goose's game. You're just in it. (laughs) <laughs> let's start with the this japanese undo logo thing because that was something on your mind last time that we just didn't get to talk to you at all yeah i started doing japanese on duolingo just as another time killer kind of thing yeah i mean spanish is fun but yeah uh, you know it gets old doing the same thing over and over sometimes so just mixing it up the lessons are like way shorter at least the ones that i'm doing i'm still learning the uh hiragana the it's kind of like the alphabet i think so are they shorter because the words are more efficient yes (laughs) well and i'm just learning the i'm learning less you know it's basically learning the alphabet (laughs) Uh okay so there's less to throw at me like it doesn't want to throw too much in one lesson you know Right. It's like you are so incapable as a student at the moment. That exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's funny. It's funny that on that one, they like uh, have to give you that just because of the different alphabet, I guess. It's fun, though. I'm really enjoying it, actually. So why Japanese instead of any other? Like, Because you didn't take any languages. In, you took Latin in high school, right? You saw that? Took Latin, yeah. And so you did the Latin bit on Duolingo, but then like in the Spanish is a pretty common choice i guess but then like so why japanese is a little more exotic of a choice could have been anything uh well i mean i've always been into like japanese video games so mm. you know maybe eventually doing some of that in the native language would be interesting Ooh, yeah that's ambitious but that's yeah exactly that's very ambitious <laughs> what watch anime without the dub 
<laughs> and no subtitles. I've never, I've never been an anime guy, but like you know, right now I'm playing Fire Emblem Three Houses, which is a very, it's it's very anime, mm-hmm. and it would be kind of fun to like do some of that in the original dubs. If the Duolingo Japanese has a dating course like your Spanish one did, you could probably play a dating game pretty soon. <laughs> There's a whole genre open to you. What's the one with the doves? Isn't there a thing where doves can date? Isn't that a game? Was it pigeons? Maybe. Sorry, I'll t- <laughs> no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> let's not take you down that tangent. So, like, how's it going? You, you're enjoying the dueling. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely not going to Google for a pigeon dating game while you're. Uh, Hatoful Boyfriend is an interactive text-based visual novel that allows a branching plotline with the player's decisions determining which of the game's multiple endings they receive. The title is a pun on the Wasego word Hatofuru. Man, I'm real, I should not be trying to speak Japanese. And the Japanese word Hato, pigeon, dove, as the game features pigeons and other birds as major characters. The game is set in a version of Earth populated by sapient birds, and its main story follows the player character and protagonist, the only human attending St. Pigeonations Institute, an elite school for birds, <laughs> as she finds love among her avian acquaintances. Why? Why have you heard of this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wish I had, like, an explanation. <laughs> <laughs> Was this, like, your Google searches to, like, follow up? I played Untitled Goose Game, what now? Right, right, yeah, I... <laughs> It's, you know, it's escalation, right? You start with the goose. Everyone's seen a goose. Everyone's had those feelings about geese before. That's not that's a that's a very jocular. But you know, some people get way too into it, and we move on to the pigeons. And well, yeah. those relationships—they're a little more complex. Nothing untitled about it. Oh my god! Just stop, please. Just stop. <laughs> uh, sorry, I, I really derailed us on that. So uh, what? <laughs> but yeah. Duolingo, Japanese. Yeah. It's it's a little bit higher quality. Like, I complained about the Latin mm-hmm. being, like, really low quality. It's not quite as good as the Spanish course. There's not as much stuff. But uh, it's definitely higher quality than, like, the Latin course. Mm-hmm. How much XP have you been putting up? What what leaderboard group are you in? Oh, I'm, I think I'm going to try to promote again this week. I'm, I'm, I'm in, like, sixth or seventh place right now. Oh yeah, you got you got to really stick with that then. If you're halfway through yeah. the week and you're in the top ten, you got to go yeah. for it. Again, it's it's pretty easy with the Japanese stuff. Like I can knock out like five lessons in like ten minutes. You are like twenty percent through Japanese XP as you are in Spanish. And how long yeah. are you doing this? Like a week? Uh, maybe two. So, yeah, you are going for it. Yeah. Yeah, well, like I said, it's so much easier to get XP in there. Yeah. And that, that was also part of it. <laughs> I wanted to see what was in the damn box. <laughs> <laughs> There's a little box next to the top three in XP. I wanted to see what you get. Dude, you now, can't sell for Googling six now. It, you got to go for number no. one. This is your chance. You know what's right, so much harder yeah. later on. You got to go now. <laughs> Find who's in number one and, like, tonight just stay up. And get to double what they're at. And they're all going to be like, he's so far ahead, just let him have it. But then, see, but then it feels like work. I don't want it to feel like work. I just want to go in, listen to my crazy syllables, 
screw up my little symbols mm-hmm. and have fun with it. I'm proud of you, bud. <laughs> How Swedish going? It's going okay. It, whereas the last few weeks, I you know I had a pretty good sprint there for a couple months, and then uh, I would say the last four or five weeks, I've kind of just done the the like I get on there every day. Sometimes I'll do three lessons. Most of the time I'll just do one, and. I made sure I never got demoted out of the Emerald League. <laughs> but uh yeah, this week I or last week I actually finished in eleventh or something like that. So like I barely missed out on promoting. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so right now I'm sitting in thirty third. So, you know, I'm <laughs> not at risk of getting demoted. The yeah. what, what is nice about like Swedish being a less common language on there is there have been times where it's like you get on there Saturday night and it's like, ooh, number one is only like a hundred points ahead of number two and they're only like like you know it's really you there are some weeks where it's like oh if i wanted to go and win we, i could do it like it doesn't take but an hour to get like 100 xp so wait i think the leaderboards aren't language specific oh really yeah i think i've clicked on some of the other profiles to see what people were learning oh i didn't realize that i thought they were always language specific oh look no, at that I, don't think... I guess it's just random people at the same level yeah Oh, well, that's unfortunate. Oh, this whole time I was like, I thought I was competing against people doing the same thing that I was doing. That's a nope. bummer. <laughs> um, I don't even know how to say Sorry to ruin your night there. Oh, yeah, that's sad. <laughs> oh, I feel betrayed. Duo, why didn't you inform me? <laughs> never, never trust an owl. This is why I stick with pigeons. Yikes. <laughs> <laughs> This episode will never be released. (laughs) You still playing some saxophone? I know you had a little stint of it. I did. I'm not really playing as consistently as as consistently as I would like. Um. You know, as with so many things in my life, the difficulty ends up being around we have one car and we have weird sleep schedules. So uh, yeah, the, the sleep chan- schedule. Yeah, yeah. So I can't really play saxophone until Amber's awake. Um, and I don't know if listeners are together, but Amber, it, she works nights. And so it's two in the afternoon before I could play. But then when she's awake, one, I haven't seen my wife in a day. And so I kind of wanted to hang out with her. And so we normally do some family time, but then if she's working later, then like we only get a few hours. And so practicing saxophone is just not a priority. So it's basically, it has to be on a day where she's off work and we're not doing anything else when she needs to wake up and I don't have anything else to do. And I've already gone to the gym and that kind of thing. Or if <laughs> Grace doesn't, doesn't want to play with me that night or something like that, I could probably practice then, but that's also so rare. So normally I kind of have to be like, I feel it. I got to do it. We're going to force the issue. Saxophone is happening. And that just doesn't happen very often. So yeah. I played it a few times. I do not regret buying a new neck strap and some reeds and playing around. Yeah. I've got a little yeah. jazz etude here I've been working up. That's uh, just hard enough that I can um, focus on it and get better at it, but it's nothing too crazy. The urge has been building to drag one of the baritones back out. So I'll probably do that in the next couple of days. I can send you this jazz etude that I'm working on, and then we can both play it. We could. Uh... I mean, that sounds kind of fun. Yeah. 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 I haven't touched a horn in 
since the pandemic stuff started. So March, that's probably like what five months. I was a little sad when I picked this out though, because on the page that it, there were some recordings on it, I thought, oh, cool, there's an A tune. Then there, he has like some backing tracks. Like that's exactly what I wanted. Uh, but nice. I didn't actually listen to the recordings, and so then when I was like, I was playing it at at the speed, or like, I mean, I was flubbing through it at at tempo. I played the the recording, and it actually was just him playing it on a saxophone. It wasn't a backing track. I'm like, oh well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> so I guess I need to make my own backing track on the guitar. I mean, if it's a standard, you could probably find it somewhere. It's not. It's yeah something that he made up. I should have picked a standard. Yeah, yeah you know, whatever. I'm not a real musician, so me either. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I, I I've enjoyed having the saxophone there, and and Grace likes it a bit. So if I really wanted <laughs> to make a more of a go, then I think I could probably convince her to let me practice it when it's just us two. But um, it no one takes her to get used to it. Like when I first started, she's just scared of it. It's just too loud. <laughs> I gotta remember to bring euphonium over next time I come and catch and come a little and catch her too. <laughs> yeah. So she can experience that. Uncle Danny is loud. <laughs> <laughs> I th- but actually, she she's done. I mean, with so many instruments, like after she gets used to it for a little bit, she'd probably even like to try buzzing a little bit because she played trombone at um, Chad and Emily's house. So she'd probably like to try the baritone. Yeah, I really want to get a piano. Get her Man, piano. that that itch hit me too. I was looking at just like nicer MIDI kind of mm-hmm. pianos like full size 88 key mm-hmm. midi style though i just took up to my laptop but i never pounced on them i still kind of feel like i want i want one of those uh clavinovas like we had in the piano lab at U of yeah those are so nice yeah. those are so nice i mean i don't have the income for that right now but if, if i did that's what i'd shoot for yeah and it's such like a luxury item like <laughs> it's but i kind of don't want um, I don't want to get like a synthesizer or a keyboard that just feels cheap because like the key, like the key action is just never the same. And it like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to play it. So I don't really want her to learn it on that. It's tough having some taste on the matter, right? Like if I didn't know, any <laughs> yep, better, see, I, so I have no taste. That's why <laughs> getting a MIDI keyboard would be just perfect for me. <laughs> But even then, like, uh, is it Gist Piano Center or Gist or with the the piano people here in town? They've got some used um, uprights for under two thousand dollars. Like, it if I really needed to have something for two thousand dollars, I could make that work, right? I don't really just want to spend two thousand dollars on nothing. But if it was like, this is the time we have to get her the piano, like we could do that. I mean, but then you're getting in, you're getting close to Clavinova price range there. Yeah. Yeah, and and the, I don't know whether I'd actually prefer to have an acoustic stand upright or if I'd rather have a clavinova because you know earphones pretty valuable. That's nice. Yeah, and you don't have to worry about maintenance, or at least not as much. Yeah, you don't have to have a tuner come out every month or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It's tough. Obviously, I haven't really thought it through completely, but sure, that is kind of. I, I want that for her. I want to have a piano here. Yeah. I mean, I never was good at piano and always, I always kind of regret that. So I, I wouldn't mind practicing and learning a little bit of piano stuff. 
Plus, I get the composing itch every once in a while, too. Mm -hmm. And it's just so much easier if I had a keyboard for it. Yeah, I can't imagine composing on anything but piano. Yeah, it's it's not fun. <laughs> I've done it before. <laughs> Having 10 notes, it's just nice. You know, 12 if you really <laughs> try. <laughs> so you finished books <laughs> multiple books recently there is a book that is a novel called an absolutely remarkable thing it's by a guy named hank green who i think if if you asked him would probably mostly say that he's a youtuber um he's like half of the green brothers the vlog brothers and they like made vidcon and he, and his brother john is also a novelist and this was his first novel and anyway they're kind of 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 our generation um, but he has a, a bigger following than, and then wrote a book. Not, he's not like an author first and then has all those other stuff. But, um, uh, he, there's a, he recently had a second book of this series come out and my mother read the both books and she said, you would love the second book of this series. And I looked at it and I said, oh, that first book of it, I've read the first chapter like three times because I like Hank Green as a person. But I wasn't sure if I liked the book, and I would get the book from the library. I'd read like the first chapter and be like, "Yeah, just not grabbing me. It's okay." But and she's like, "Well, you'll love the second, but you have to read the first. So I'm like, "Okay, I'll give it another shot for my mom because I love my mom. Hi, mom." <laughs> and I so this time I gave it more of a shot. Once I got about halfway through, I'm like, "Okay, totally worth finishing the book." It just I just needed to kind of get more steam. And then the last fifty pages I read the other night, and Burr was like. Uh, so you're going to turn off the light and go to bed? I'm like, nope, got to finish the book. <laughs> 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 so it's like, it got better. It was good. Um, and uh, it, what's what's kind of cool about that book is it's it's actually a very simple plot in a way. Like the, 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 the story of the book is really about the, the mindset of the kind of person that can only exist now in an internet driven age um, of a young person thrust into fame because they found themselves at a time when it uh, just kind of happened and they could have chosen to back off or they could have chosen to be involved and they had to choose to be involved because they had no other prospects anywhere else. And they, and she actually wants to help make the world a better place. And by being famous, she can actually have a chance at being part of that. And then she gets in way over her head and we get to be in her anxious, neurotic mind while she does it. And it's just like the, it's a millennial doing millennial things in a story that's way bigger than her. And she thinks it's all about her. Um, and without, I don't want to give away too much of the book, but of course then in fiction terms, she has way more to do with her than is actually true, which is the part that doesn't happen in real life. Actually, we're all narcissists. So we should all like not take the story, but um, it's a, it's it's an interesting thing to be like, oh, I don't even need to read half of this discussion because I totally get it. Like, I'm right there. Right there with you. <laughs> I understand how you're feeling. I, too, am bad at relationships. Cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was, a, it, it, was a, it was a nice little read for a novel, um, especially since I haven't read too much fiction uh, it ever. 
<laughs> so it's kind of fun. To so it's good enough that uh, I'm, I do have the second book on hold with the library. So I'll read that eventually whenever I get it. It's like a six week wait. So it's got some time. And yeah. the other book I read is called Learning to Breathe Fire. And it came out five years ago ish. And it's kind of about, it's like a history of the early days of CrossFit, uh, which of course I'm interested in. My favorite part of this book was at the, they basically chronicled all these people that were with Greg Glass when, when he was like actually coming up with the whole philosophy of CrossFit, which was very unique at when it started off because so much of gym culture was built around bodybuilding or around like endurance cardio. Those, those were like the two camps, basically like the power lifters were not allowed to go to these gyms because they would be loud and they would clang weights and Olympic lifters were not allowed to go to these gyms. They had their own specialty places and you kind of had to know a guy to be invited to those kind of places. And there definitely was nobody that was combining Olympic lifting and powerlifting and endurance and track work and all the stuff that CrossFit now has made the norm. Like everybody does this stuff anymore, right? This it's, it's not new. It's 20 years old at this point. But hearing the stories of like these original people that were going through it uh, was just kind of illuminating to me to kind of see like this was – these were new ideas. And then at this story kind of ends with all those people getting old and the rich fronings of the world coming up and the CrossFit Games becoming a sport, not just a frivolity of a fitness movement. Um, and what – I actually found the most intriguing was a, a few things that were small in the last couple of chapters that are part of bigger conversations in the fitness space now where there were these original fire breathers. When they got old, they started to realize that they can't keep up at the pace that they were doing before. And they have to figure out how to, how to take the truths that they found and like the value of intensity and the value of variance and the value of combining different elements of things, but learn how to do it like a normal person. And how, how can we make, you know, a, a person that weighs 300 pounds be able to do it and still get the experience that a person that weighs 185 pounds does without busting up their knees so they can't run anymore? Like, and how do we make it so that a 75-year-old person can do this? Because if we truly believe that this is the best workout to do, um, you need to find a way that everybody can do it because everybody needs health. And that's like, that is the conversation now. It's kind of fun reading a book that's five years old where those little things were like snippets of ideas of these older people as they're getting older and didn't know how to frame it yet. But now we know it's like, that's part of the larger conversation. So it was a, it was a fun read. It was weird reading a book that did a lot of praising of Greg Glassman as a person when so much is now known of how terrible of a person he is, he just happened to have very good fitness coaching ideas 20 years ago. But sure. yeah. that, was, that was an odd feeling. What It also kind of made me yearn. I want to read a book about somebody with a completely different opinion. What do you mean? Like CrossFit sucks. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but, <laughs> but with like compelling arguments against it. Sure. Yeah. A lot of people have arguments against CrossFit, but then when you actually like listen to them and try to take them at their word, they're pretty weak arguments not like so they might even be completely right but they're not arguing their stance well enough to convince me of things not i'm not trying to make a strong man of arguments or arguments here but like that's a common thing that you you can find all the dialogue in the world about crossfit pull-ups but no one is actually saying that it doesn't make sense to do an olympic lift and a run in the same workout 
everyone seems to kind of agree like, oh, if you can do that, that actually is a really great way of like training your muscular endurance. There's like no fight against that anymore. But I kind of want to hear like, I want to see somebody that has a totally different take on it and fights for it the way that these early CrossFit people fought for it 20 years ago. Just, I'm just not sure if it exists, but I'm looking for it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm getting, getting real into this fitness stuff. <laughs> well, of course. I mean, we've had a CrossFit segment every episode, haven't we? And we will continue to. <laughs> this is a lot. This is very much on my mind. Well, so here's another idea. Not It had nothing to do with CrossFit, but just in health and fitness in general. Like, um, I, I'm actually thinking a lot about how I feel like I am – we we are closely reaching that point of where it will no longer be biologically our body working for us, right? Like these are the last few years I get of my body expects to be getting better. After this, our lungs will not be trying to work any better. I'm also not going to try to work any better. They're going to try to maintain it best. And so if you're trying to improve your fitness while you're degrading – like that's gonna it's a way harder battle. So it's like I want to make the very most I can of the next two to three years, because after that it's only gonna get harder. And all I can really hope for is to like keep doing the right stuff, and I'll still be ahead of where anybody would expect me to be when we're eighty. But uh, I really want to make the most of this time. Carpe diem. Well, good for you. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm doing a crappy job of that. I feel like I already hit that window you're talking about where everything's just like, oh, well, I hope I'm at least maintaining. <laughs> daily goose runs. <laughs> I was pretty winded after that stupid thing chased me. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still reading your book about the uh, the the rat children? <laughs> the rat children. <laughs> I mean, that was just a small study in the book, but yes, I am. <laughs> I mean, it's about how children learn. I I hit this section about a chess club in New York, which has kind of been interesting. Just how the instructor, the chess coach, if you will, gets our kids to you know, really slow down and analyze and, you know, think about how they're thinking. Was the coach anybody we'd heard of? Uh, I hadn't. You might have. I don't know the name. I don't have it in front of me either. She was like a, I don't know. I don't know if she it was a, she's not like a woman's GM, but she was pretty high rated, I think. Yeah. Uh, and the, the school itself is it, like a New York school. It didn't have a name. It had like a number like IS 318 or something like that, I believe. It was a middle school, and this they have a fantastic, fantastic program, and it's a low income, you know, really urban type school. Elizabeth Spiegel, does that sound right? That's it. That is it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like she is a chess educator. That's where I'm seeing in publicity stuff. Very successful. It sounds like too. I haven't gotten very far in this section, but it's definitely piqued my interest because it's, you know, the clashing of two things. Oh, yeah. Educational theory and good old chess. I guess I can just imagine you sitting down 
with a kid in a counseling office and you're like, you know, sit down. Let's uh let's play a gambit. <laughs> if you can be white or black. You can uh you can punch the clock first. Beautiful. I do find myself missing chess club. That was one of the the things that I added over the past couple of years. I'd never taught like chess club before. I find myself missing that more than teaching band. That's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say that I miss teaching band too, but not all the stuff that goes along with it. Yeah, there there is a lot that goes into band directing. Yeah, as I feel, I guess every teacher probably feels that way. So I'll, I'll shut up. I don't actually know. But. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> you can teach me chess if you want. Huh. We can have a chess club. You keep saying that, but we're not that far apart. Well, say all you want. Once I start we winning even have... some games. Then I'll feel that way. <laughs> I just spend when we play online. I just spend, I spend more time looking at positions than you do, and that's all there is to it. I've got a game with the rando where I'm spending a lot of time looking at positions. We've got yeah. a single bishop and pawn endgame where I'm up one pawn. I really feel like there's a good chance they might screw up, and I can pull this out for a win. But nice. I don't actually know that. <laughs> for all I know, they're waiting for me to screw up. So that they can force the winner draw. I don't know, but yeah, <laughs> this is this is past where I ever read in Sylvan's Endgame course. That's for sure. Ugh, I'm playing one other correspondence game besides the one I have with you going, and uh, I made a stupid mistake. I was looking, I was like doing the analysis board, and then I came back to the real board, and I thought I was one move ahead of where I was. Like, Ooh. my analysis was, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I ended up giving away a pawn. That sucks. It didn't, like, kill my position, but it was, ugh. It has some weird English Carol Con going, and, like, my king size is totally destroyed now. I think that's the best argument I've ever heard for not using the analysis board. <laughs> I'm not totally out of it. Actually, my position is still pretty good, but it just is not comfortable. Yay, chess. Yay, chess. We've talked CrossFit. We've talked chess. We're getting through all the classics here. <laughs> a classic episode of Kibitzing. I've been watching a new, well, I kind of watched him a little bit, but I guess I haven't talked to him, talked to you about him. Uh, his name is Levy Rosman. He's a, he's a YouTuber. Been watching a lot of him lately. Levy Rosman. He's just an IM. Uh, just does an a lot IM. of teaching, a lot of coaching. But it's pretty good stuff. He, uh, I'm trying to get some new openings under my He's young. belt. He's very young. Say, what? He, what? He's young. <laughs> young. Yeah, he's younger than us. We're old. He's young. We Yeah, we're old farts. <laughs> He's been doing some runs playing just E4 again all the time. They've been kind of fun to watch. I should probably watch him then. <laughs> like, you're never <laughs> going to play E4. Why, is, why are you watching this? <laughs> well, I'm thinking – well, I'm not going to tell you what I'm thinking about picking up. Ooh. Never mind. Ooh. But there is an E4 opening that has caught my eye. But not the Scotch. But, of course, you know, 90% of E4 openings are dictated by what Black wants to play. Yeah, that is true. That's why I've always avoided it. 
I did get the bug the other day. I, I, I really did consider, I pulled out my, I've got that like complete U4 openings book. And mm-hmm. I did think about like, you know, I could make some flashcards and start doing some memorizing. And, <laughs> you know, you get about 20 of those down, even just the main lines, it would be pretty helpful. Yeah. E4 scary. It scares me. After I've been playing C4 for like two or three years. There's like no theory in that. You just make developing moves and roll with it. Prey on unfortunate people like me that just play E4 all the time and expect to see similar positions. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean the center's not stable? <laughs> That's what I do again I when I'm playing black when I play the Pierce. Good old perk. Yeah, Pierce, Perk, Pirk. That's the one where I usually gobble up some free pawns pretty early. And doesn't take much against me. I'll give away a pawn in a heartbeat. I mean, I, I do that all the time in Bullet too online against randos. If I were a car salesman, there'd be a pawn with every car. <laughs> what? <laughs> give them away. Crazy Gusses. It's 18 <laughs> hectares per liter of kerosene. All right, let's open a used car lot. This is how we'll get rich. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Cars for chess people. This uh, When this car starts up, you get to go twice as fast for the first mile. <laughs> Speaking of cars, I've been driving around. Well, I mean, I haven't been doing much driving because pandemic, but it's been like four months i've been driving around without my one of my headlights cool <laughs> cool i finally got that fixed the other day it's peak danny right there <laughs> <laughs> we'll see i was kind of raised like it's something i should do myself but it's such a pain in my in this my little nissan verso i don't know maybe it's a pain in every car but i don't i didn't want to deal with it and so I just I was just waiting until you know I needed an oil change, just have it done when I got my oil changed. Which is the thing that a lot of people would also say you would just do yourself. And exactly. I mean, I wouldn't. Exactly. I don't do anything on my car. Although I, ironically, I have changed a headlight before. That's one of the few repairs I've done before. <laughs> I, but I've never done an oil change. But man, I, I should have bought it. Gave you five bucks, and you could have changed it for me. I wouldn't have done it. <laughs> <laughs> Alex, mm-hmm. why do you hate music? Oh my gosh, that is such a mischaracterization. No, 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 no. Hold on. You're the one that said it bugged you that I wasn't listening to music enough. I never said that I hated music. It, this is all a problem in your heart. It is your soul has taken this and blown it way out of proportion. This is your problem with music, not my problem. Alex, you hate music. Just tell the listeners why you hate music. Um... Well, you say that I hate music because I guess all the kids nowadays love Jacob Collier and <laughs> uh you were obsessed with this one song. What's the what is the one um you just texted me like half an hour ago, the one Oh, um, I wasn't obsessed with it, but uh the love in my heart with, with the love in my heart. With the love in my heart and 
I honestly had like forgotten all about this song until recently, but I just don't like it. I remember hearing it and the phrase I always said, well, like this is my argument was like, I can tell that, um, he wrote the song with a lot of intention and like there were ideas in there being expressed. So like, I wasn't going to say it was a bad song, but it, it to me sounded like it was just tr- an attempt to like, be out there and be crazy and do a whole lot of things all at once. And I just didn't like it. So it's like, I could tell where like maybe somebody else would like, and they could preach it. But like, as far as I could tell, it was just kind of a mess. Uh, but it was just good enough that I could like give him credit. It's like, okay, he, he's, he's trying to do something here. It's just, it's part of a movement that I don't care about. And then yeah, you just hate music. Right. Okay, fine. Sure. I hate music. Yeah. <laughs> And, <laughs> and so ever ever since then, I've just been like sending you. Keep you, sending like, me Jacob Collier of... songs. <laughs> <laughs> and the best Listen thing, to I've... This, Alex, you'll <laughs> yeah, you'll you'll love this one, sure. And I think what what has been true is that everyone you've sent me since then, I've liked increasingly more. But I think they're just genuinely better songs. I don't think it's my opinion. I think they just like really are. They have more control over form. They 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 do things in still interesting ways, but without feeling they had to have like 15 tricks in every phrase. Like, uh, so the one you sent me, um, uh, not today, but, uh, between our, between our last recording sessions, is it running out of love? Is that the one with, yes. uh, like that's, a, I think that's a great song. Uh, I, there are still production choices to that, that I would not personally, prefer but i think if like if we were to go through a transcription that song i'm gonna say that's pretty great i think the like the really interesting thing of where the drums are like almost playing it straight but then there's just kind of those like everywhere like it's like that one swing beat the and the bass keeps on mimicking that too and you get those little like hilly melismatic melodies like it's i i like a lot of moments in that song and i think the song itself is written really well but i still don't like a lot of like the sound choices he makes but I can live with it a lot in that song. Um, <laughs> am I still being a jerk? Do you think I still hate music even with that opinion? <laughs> yep. Oh my God, you're the worst. <laughs> See, I mean, it's just becoming me trolling you about this now. Oh. And this is just the boiling point. <laughs> anyway, so you also sent me this one in May, All I Need, which I will admit, actually, I didn't listen to it today, so I don't remember exactly what it sounds like, but... I looked up my text to you and I, and the text I said after it was like, okay, that's way better than the other one you sent to me. I am still going to hold that, uh, with love of my heart. It's just trash. But, um, yeah. Oh, I need, that was pretty good too. It just like, that's the one that like, there's a, Hey, at the beginning of every chorus, I think, or maybe it's the, the end of some verse. I don't know. There's like a transition thing where there's like a heavy synth and then there's like a, it's like a crowd of probably three or four different voices all going, Hey, it's like, it it doesn't serve any purpose to me. And it just, it's a sound that's like, I would have done, you could have done everything, but remove that sound. And that phrase would be way better. And that's just a (laughs) pop music choice that, but here's the thing. If I listen to, to Foo Fighters songs, I don't ever have any production choices that I care about and I can give or take some of the songs, like most of the songs I like a lot of the, some of the songs I don't, but I never have any opinions on the production choices, but these it's like all it's about, I don't like the production choices because <laughs> they're all safe. Yeah. Okay. So I like safe music, I guess like, there you go. Yeah. You're just an old curmudgeon. 
Uh, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, but I hate music, right? Yeah. So what got you so in love? Danny loves Jacob. Danny wants to marry Jacob. <laughs> Actually, I'm not even that obsessed with him. I don't. I don't. He just released a, a new album within. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess it was sometime in August. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably about half of it, I really just don't like at all. You are the worst. <laughs> and it's actually kind of similar to your argument. You're my worst like, friend. Some of the production things, and like sometimes he's just going out there. I can't believe I listen sometimes to your text he's... messages. You are the worst friend. <laughs> Sometimes it just sounds like he's on a lot of drugs when he's writing his music and you know, whatever. I've got no problem with that. Like, yeah, but it's just, it's out there. Well, and part of it is the, I've seen a few things with him, uh, that like, I know he's a smart dude and I get that he's a good musician. Like, I don't doubt his prowess as a musician. He's like, it was certainly 10 times anything I can do. Um, and so I don't want any of my criticism to, to be like, I'm demeaning him, like more power to him. And in particular, there was a uh, Wired, I think, series where they had uh, experts teaching some idea to like five or six different levels of people. So they usually start with like a five-year-old, and then they would go to like a high school student, and then they would have uh, a college student, and then a graduate student, and then like an industry expert. And he did the one on harmony. So he was like... He had a little kid like sing a little harmony with him, and then he had like a a jazz guitarist that was a sophomore at a music school. But then the the final expert it was with Herbie Hancock, who like in his time was definitely a pioneer and did a lot of interesting things. And I would say like you could come you could do definitely compare the two of them in their early years, like as I, I think it's fair to say Jay McCauley was pushing the same envelopes that Herbie Hancock was when he was younger. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that statement. Yeah, like like in like in an oddly similar way, in that they're both keyboardists and they're like it's kind of jazzy, but still it's like a kind of more popular than jazzy. But then like, uh, yeah, like in, in, they're oddly similar in that way. Um, but they had a really good discussion, and one of the things that he pointed out was how you can follow even almost like classical rules of harmony and make any note on the chromatic scale fit in in any chord like and he kind of gave a few examples and so even herbie Hancock was like huh that's an interesting idea and he's like so he went through and he's like and i can do this and i can make it a major minor seven flat nine and then i can go here. like and he just went through all these examples and a couple more weird but he's like but it sounds acceptable like we can put it in a context where it can make sense and to to boil it down to that simple idea of every note can be put into a acceptable context. That's a very refined way of looking at things, right? That's a, that mm-hmm. is a concept that I, I think even most theorists would not come to as a, such a simple statement. And it's almost like reading Richard Feynman's uh, six easy pieces about physics, where he says, you know, boils down these huge ideas into one paragraph that like is beautiful. And so that statement that he goes like, I can tell, David Collier is a great musician, has thought a lot about it, ha- actually has absolutely has expertise in his field. I just feel like in some of those earlier songs, it's like it, I almost could just toss them to he's just still young and still wants to show off. And he wants to show people with just everything he can do. <laughs> <laughs> that, like I can bounce around like the best of them and I can I can do a bunch of stuff down here and then we'll go up here. And like and it's like and 
I don't know. It's just a, in a way that just doesn't grab me most of the time. <laughs> but yeah, like, <laughs> but I hate music. And then, it's the worst. And then I had this, this great random idea. Another album that's come out in the past couple of months that I've listened to quite a bit is uh, Taylor Swift's Folklore. There we go. And there we go. Yeah. <laughs> this is a big, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, all right, I'm going to send this to Alex and I'm going to get his thoughts on this song yeah. and this song Exile from it. Oh, it was beautiful. I, I love this it. song. I love that song. <laughs> you, you did oh, like yeah, it? Yeah, I thought it was great. <laughs> oh, okay, good. We're, we're not totally far apart than in our musical taste. Oh, no, I... <laughs> I actually, I, I couldn't even tell you the last time I heard Taylor Swift song that I didn't like. Like, <laughs> I yeah, actually yeah. really like Taylor Swift, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a Taylor Swift fanboy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, Exile is a great song. And so I was like, all right, we're going to cleanse the Jacob Collier palette for a little bit, and I'm just going to send you this this wonderful little pop song. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I like it. There, there was another song you sent me a few weeks back that was also pretty good. It was kind of uh, a, a jazzy alternative oh yeah that um sammy ray yeah that was really good it was like it's like jazzy indie folk kind of mix yeah yeah she also reminded yeah. me that kind of reminded me of uh tedeschi trucks band have you ever listened to them no i'll have to go and listen to some of that yeah they've got kind of uh like imagine like 70s rock but with uh with a little more of a jazzy take to things uh yeah yeah. But anyway, yeah, that Taylor Swift song, Exile, I've been getting that melody stuck in my head all the time. Yeah. I think it's just a great little melody. Yes. I liked that song a lot. I couldn't I couldn't tell you a bad thing about that song. Here, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's very safe. I was legitimately <laughs> concerned that uh, it was going to turn out to be that, like, Jacob Collier wrote the song. And that's the only reason I listened <laughs> to it. And I was like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> Now, now here's a here is the here's what, if you really wanted to pick me apart on why I obviously hate music and I'm you know not worth your time. Uh, the thing that you should pick apart is that like, I don't actually listen to music of my own accord hardly ever at all. That was <laughs> another point we haven't gotten to that point because we were got on a huge Jacob Collier tangent, but like that bugs the crap out of me. Why like, is it bugging? You would at one point in your life you probably would call yourself a music person, right? Oh sure, I, for most of my life, yeah. Yeah, and then like now you don't even listen to music at all. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm so you hate music. Oh. Well, okay, so that's 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 your best argument, um, but like I don't know, I still don't think I hate music. I, I think what has it's right along with why I had a hard time ever even playing saxophone or playing guitar. Like at some point, it it became cleansing to not listen to music for a while because it I had so much psychology dunked into it from my terrible experience in music school and college that like it. It, it became hard to listen to music to enjoy it because I had trained myself to listen to music to get better at music, right? Sure. And uh, that I just I've been I spent so much time running away from that that only now can I even kind of look at things as an appreciation way again instead of as a uh, professional way, and it I I, I still don't like in enjoy it like i would like to 
uh, and so the stuff that I do enjoy more tends to still have like good memories associated to it. So like Foo, I mentioned Foo Fighters, that's kind of an example. I actually was, I've never really been like a Foo Fighters fan, but I have no bad memories associated with it. Like I remember playing rock sure. band <laughs> and <laughs> like, I remember, uh, having several mixed CDs in my car that had Foo Fire songs on it. And like, yeah, it's very safe. Like, it's just the stuff that it did imprint on me, but like, I don't actually have a firm opinion about it. So sure. We'll go with that. Um, <laughs> same thing with like, uh, cake. Like I, I, I've listened to cake, but like, uh, for whatever reason that has, I've like put that on to work to before. Yeah. And I I actually I do a lot more listening to music now with I intentionally find playlists full of stuff that like I don't recognize any of it that I can have on and like really quietly in the background while I work and I don't pay attention to it at all yeah. just to have background noise and sure I don't want to listen to it to listen to it so yeah that that's the argument for why I might hate music see I never had that problem you're talking about just being too over like needing a break from from it uh I don't know. I guess I've always separated the popular music realm pretty well. And I don't have to like, I can, I can shut my brain off when I'm listening to it. I still really like Chris Thiele. He's awesome. Oh yeah. He's fantastic. I listened to a ton of punch brothers. Yeah. What was the one that had, um, I can't believe I'm blanking on this. Like it had the weird cover with the the two people with like a sheet over their head, something like that. Oh, phosphorescent blues. Yeah, that one was so. I love that album. That album's fantastic. Yeah, that yeah. was on repeat for six months. Yeah, that's real good. Twenty fifteen, I guess. There's that one. Oh, it's one of the movements from. Oh gosh, what is it? It's a WC piece. They cover a WC piece in there, and it's so good. Pied, something like that. Oh yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. They are oh, that's incredible. So that's one brothers. But... Yeah. Good stuff. But I hate music, so. <laughs> While we're still talking music, follow up. Uh, we had, I had previously told you you had to listen to the podcast Strong Songs, and then you said that I was an idiot and hated music, and I need to listen to, uh, I need to go to some YouTube channels. Because uh, you're a child that can't listen to a podcast, you have to watch a video. Uh, so I went to. Jeez, <laughs> you're so bitter about this. Yeah, I'm not bitter. I just hate music. This is the angstiest episode we've had. <laughs> Coming out swinging. Anyway, I did my homework. Uh, so I watched some 12 tone videos and some epic music theory. And I, I couldn't help but like be comparing them to strong songs most of the time, just because that's what started off our conversation about it. And sure. Like, sure. Um, and so I'll start with AP Music Theory, uh, which I will say that like I love everything about that YouTube channel. That was awesome. Uh, I love that a lot of the like reproductions uh, he would do it in Chip Tune. Thought that was very cool, and uh, had a lot of transcriptions that were very easily. Uh, you could actually read them and see them and you could pause it and actually see them. And I, I loved all this stuff. And I started off with like a video that was just featured on the channels page about, uh, the game hollow Knight, but I'd never heard of the game. So I didn't quite really get into it. I could just tell the, the production value of the channel was really good. So I started scrolling through 
all their uploads just to try to find one that I could maybe attach myself to a little bit more and saw a two-part series on Final Fantasy VI, and mm-hmm. that was incredible. That was really great. Oh, my gosh. It's so good. And, yeah, I like I even wrote a note here that says, I'm going to say this video is pretty much perfect. Like, <laughs> I loved everything about his analysis. <laughs> I liked how much he, like, even just, like, the fanboying over Nobuo Uematsu. He had, he had a really good joke about how, like, how if you really want to understand him, we have to track him down, kill him, eat his brain, and then we're going to go, like, <laughs> it's... Like very good sense of humor. Like, so um, yeah, eight bit music theory, um, really great channel. That was a good suggestion. Thank you. Uh, 12 tone. Uh, it was fine. Um, I think I probably felt a lot like 12 tone as you did with strong signs. I think maybe we just have different taste on that. Like he definitely, they definitely had like the edit and pace of a YouTuber instead of a podcaster. Like it was a, really quick cuts between sentences, right? Like it, it, I did not mm-hmm. feel like I was being like it, that just like the, it was intentionally in the edit. That's how they wanted to produce the video, which is fine, but it's just like not my preference um, for this stuff anyway. And mm-hmm. like the, they would do piano reductions of a few things, but I just didn't feel like it was as high quality as what Kirk does on strong songs. Um, yeah. but I did like the sketching stuff. I think that's a very, like for a channel, I'm not gonna say the channel's bad, like still go to, to 12 tone, good channel. They're doing good stuff. Um, just was less into it. I really liked all the elephants. That was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. The elephants are adorable. and the snowman chords. I think that's a pretty cool thing. <laughs> like, I like the idea. I, I like the idea of someone just saying like, um, you know, I want a visual element here. We're going to do this on YouTube, but it has to be, I don't want to just put like waveforms in me talking, right? It has to be a visual thing. And it wouldn't be the same if it wasn't them sketching, right? It, that's yeah. definitely part of the show. And I, so I like the idea, but um, this didn't really dig the way that it. Okay, so here, let's tie this up together. In the same way that I kind of was like in the some of the earlier stuff that you sent me, you take a call here, I felt like he was just like, he knew all these things and figured out all these things and he just had to have a way of showing them in a song. I felt like 12 Tone. Uh, they had a lot of things in their analysis that they were showing off their glossary of understood ideas and they wanted to like <laughs> be able to link to their video on this idea and say, we talked about this one before. And like, it was like, we're going to talk about 15 ideas in this song when I would have been happy with two. And like, <laughs> and, and like, I don't know. I just, that's kind of how it came to me, but Fair enough. yeah, but still a good channel. Like both of those were good recommends. I just really liked Ape music theory a lot more. Yeah. My last note on this, I have to bring it up because we're going to keep on uh, talking about how I hate music. Uh, <laughs> the Amy the Music Theory guy in the Final Fantasy VI episode brought up this Arnold Schoenberg quote that I thought um, basically made my argument against that, um, the, the Jacob Collier stuff, in a much better way than I could. And I'm going to read the quote. This is a quote, not me, Arnold Schoenberg. Intelligibility in music seems to be impossible without repetition. While repetition without variation can easily produce monotony, juxtaposition of distantly related elements can easily degenerate into nonsense, especially if unifying elements are omitted. Only so much variation as character length and tempo required should be admitted. The coherence of motive form should be emphasized. And like that's like way, the way more academic and like appropriate way of saying the kind of stuff I'm trying to, I'm trying to get at, which is like, you, you don't need so many ideas to show off how good a song can be. You need to like reduce the song down to what you're trying to say and let that 
simplicity of form strike resonance with the people listening to it. And like the more knit you can make those ideas, the quicker someone can latch onto it and still appreciate them as they find them. But like when you just, when there's just all this stuff, it's really hard for me to get into it. But yeah. That AP music theory, giving me a quote from Arnold Schoenberg that explained an idea I was trying to get it. Like this is, that's how I'm trying to tie this all together to say, I don't hate music. I don't. <laughs> That just like the music I like. Ugh. I did homework for Beautiful. you. Uh oh. <laughs> Several locations and personality featured in the game directly correspond to real life things and people. For example, blogger Brian Pigeon is mentioned as one of the Huddlefold world's most influential writers. What? Brian Are you just, Pigeon. You're just Googling Pigeon now? I still have the Wikipedia article set up from that Pigeon dating game. <laughs> uh, well, I know what to get Alex for Christmas. <laughs> do we want to sign any more homework for next time? Is there anything you need me to, want me to do? I mean, it usually comes up randomly to me. I'm just like, I'll send him a text. And it's usually, hey, listen to this. <laughs> yeah, I like, guess we could you... we make it have a few minutes of a thing of like, well, so next time we're going to talk about how Danny hates dogs. <laughs> but I love dogs. Yeah, sure. Prove it. <laughs> prove it. Tell me about all the ways you love dogs. In the last 10 years, what have you done to love a dog? I pet him a lot when I see him. <laughs> Alex hates me. <music>, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're so bitter. <laughs> <laughs>